Section 7 of Apology by Tertullian, translated by Charles Dodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Ronald. See then, whether he be not the disposer of kingdoms, who's in both the world which is ruled, and man himself who ruleth, whether he have not ordered the changes of dominions with their times in the course of the world, who was before all time, and made that world the universe of times. See whether it be not he who exalteth and putteth down states, under whom the race of men once lived without states. Why do you err? Rome in her rude state is more ancient than certain of her own gods. She reigned before so large a compass of capital was erected. The Babylonians, too, reigned before the high priests, and the Medes before the fifteen, and the Egyptians before the Sali, and the Assyrians before the Luperci, and the Amazons before the Vestal Virgins. Finally, if the religious rites of Rome procure kingdoms, never would Judea have reigned aforetime that despiser of those common deities, whose god too ye Romans, for some time honored with sacrifices, and her temple with offerings, and her people with treaties. Nor would ye ever have ruled over her, had she not at the last sinned against Christ. A sufficient answer this to the charge of sinning against the gods, because we cannot be thought to sin against that which we shew does not exist. Wherefore, when we are called upon to sacrifice, we take our stand against it on the strength of our conscience, whereby we are assured who those be, to whom these services are paid, under the images which ye publicly expose, and the human names which ye consecrate. But some think it madness that, when we are able at once to sacrifice for the moment and to escape unhurt, our fixed purpose remaining steadfast in our own mind, we prefer to our safety a perverse resistance. Ye give us forsooth counsel, whereby we may cheat yourselves, but we know whence such counsels are suggested, who it is that setteth all this in motion, and how at one time by cunning persuasion, and another by harsh violence, he worketh for the overthrowing of our constancy. It is in truth that spirit of demonic and angelic properties, which rivaling us because of our separation from him, and envying us because of the grace of God bestowed upon us, maketh war against us out of your minds, which, by the secret influence of his spirit, are disposed and prompted to all that perverseness in your judgments, and that injustice in your wrath, to which we began at the first to speak. For although all the power of demons and spirits of that sort were made subject to us, yet, like naughty servants, they sometimes mingle contumacy with their fear, and delight to injure those whom at other times they reverence. For even fear inspireth hatred. Besides, also, their desperate state, arising from their previous condemnation, counteth on the comfort of enjoying meantime their malice, while their punishment is yet delayed. And yet, when seized, they are subdued, and submit to their own condition, and entreat, when near at hand, those whom they attack when afar off. Therefore, when, like rebels from the workhouses, or the prisons, or the mines, or any penal service of that sort, they break out against us, in whose power they are, being well assured that they are unequal to us, and thereby the more undone, we are forced to resist them as equals, and we fight against them by persevering in that which they attack, and never do we triumph over them more than when we are condemned for steadfastness in our faith. But as it would readily seem unjust for free men to be forced against their will to sacrifice, for elsewhere also, in doing religious service, 
a willing mind is enjoined, assuredly, for any one to be compelled by another to honor gods, whom, for his own sake, he ought of his own accord to appease, would be thought absurd, lest, in the right of free choice, he have his answer ready. Quote, I will not have Jupiter propitious to me, who art thou? Let Janus meet me in wrath, with whichever of his faces he will, what have I to do with thee? End quote. Ye are framed, of course, by the same spirits to compel us to do sacrifice for the health of the emperor, and the necessity of compelling us is as much forced on you as is the duty of periling ourselves on us. We come then to the second count in the charge of offending against more august majesty, if indeed ye respect Caesar with greater dread, and with more a trembling ardour than Jupiter of Olympus himself, and with good cause, if ye know why, for who is he? Is not any one among the living better than any dead? But neither do ye this on the score of reason so much as from respect to a presentaneous power, and thus, in this also, ye are found to be irreligious towards your gods, seeing that ye shew more of awe towards a human power. Finally, among you, men more readily swear falsely by all the gods than against the single genius of Caesar. Let it then first appear whether those to whom sacrifices offered are able to impart health to the emperor, or to any human being, and so adjudge us guilty of high treason, if angels or demons, in substance the worst of spirits, work any good deed, if the lost save, if the condemned deliver, if finally, as is within your own knowledge, the dead defend the living, then assuredly would each first defend his own statues and images and temples, which, as I think, the soldiers of the Caesars keep in safety through their watches. But methinks these very materials, too, come from the minds of the Caesars, and the entire temple stand according to the nod of Caesar. Finally, many gods have had Caesar in wrath with them. It maketh for my argument if some too have found him propitious when he conferreth any bounty or privilege upon them. How then shall they, who are in Caesar's power, whose also they wholly are, have the health of Caesar within their power, so that they may be thought to bestow that which they more readily themselves obtain from Caesar? For, therefore do we sin against the majesty of the emperors, because we subject them not to their own creatures, because we make not a mockery of our services for their health's sake, not thinking it to be in hand soldered with lead. But ye are religious, who seek it where it is not, ask it of those by whom it cannot be given, passing him by in whose power it is. Moreover, ye put down by force those who know how to ask it, and, in that they know how to ask it, are able to obtain it. For we pray for the health of the emperors to the eternal God, the true God, the living God, whom even the emperors themselves would rather have propitious to them than all the rest. They know who hath given them their kingdom. They know as human beings who hath given them also their life. They feel that this is the only God in whose power alone they are, to whom they are the second in power, after whom they are the first, before all, and above all, gods. And why not? Since they are above all men, who, as living, surely stand before the dead. They reflect how far the powers of their empire avail, and thus they understand God. They acknowledge that they prevail through him, against whom they cannot prevail. In a word, let the emperor conquer heaven, carry heaven, captive in his triumph, send his guards to heaven, lay on heaven his taxes, 
he cannot. Therefore is he great, because he is less than heaven, for he himself is of him, of whom is both heaven and every creature. Thence is he an emperor, whence he was also a man, before he was an emperor. Thence cometh his power, whence also came his breath. Thither we Christians, looking up with hands spread open, because without guilt, with head uncovered, because we are not ashamed, finally without a prompter, because we pray from the heart, are ever praying for all kings, that they may have a long life, a secure dominion, a safe home, valiant armies, a faithful senate, a righteous people, a world at peace, and whatever be the desire both of the man and of the king. These things I cannot ask of any other than him from whom I know that I shall obtain them, since it is he who alone giveth them, and it is I to whom the obtaining of them is due, I his servant, who alone give him reverence, who for his religion am put to death, who offer to him a sacrifice, rich and of the highest rank, which he himself hath commanded, the prayer that proceedeth from a chaste body, from a soul that sinneth not, from the Holy Spirit, not a single penny's worth of grains of frankincense, the droppings of an Arabian tree, nor two drops of wine, nor the blood of a discarded beast that longeth to die, and after all these foul things, a filthy conscience also, so that I marvel when the victims are being tried before you by the most wicked priests, why the heart of the beasts, rather than of the sacrifices themselves, are examined. Whilst then we are thus spread forth before God, let your claws of iron pierce us, your crosses hang us up, your fires play about us, your swords cut off our necks, your beasts trample on us. The very posture of the praying Christian is prepared for every punishment. This do, ye worthy rulers, tear from us that breath which is praying to God for your emperor. Here will be the crime, where is truth and devotion to God? Now, ye will say, we have been flattering the emperor, and have feigned these prayers, of which we have spoken, that we may escape forsooth your violence. Much profit clearly doth the deceit bring us, for ye allow us to prove whatsoever we maintain. Thou, therefore, that thinkest that we care nothing for the health of Caesar, look into the oracles of God, our writings, which we do not ourselves suppress, and which very maintain accidents transferred to the hands of strangers. Learn from them that it is commanded us, in the overflowing kindness, to entreat God even for our enemies, and to pray for the blessings of our persecutors. And who more the enemies and persecutors of us Christians than those concerning whose majesty we are charged with guilt? But even by name and in plain words, pray, saith the scripture, for kings and for princes and for powers, that ye may have all things in quietness. For when the kingdom is shaken, all its other members being shaken with it, surely we also, although we stand aloof from tumults, are found to have some place in the misfortune. We have also another and a greater need to pray for the emperors, and moreover for the whole estate of the empire, and the fortunes of Rome, knowing, as we do, that the mighty shock which hangeth over the whole world, and the end time itself, threatening terrible and grievous things, is delayed because of the time allowed to the Roman Empire. We would not therefore experience these things, and while we pray that they may be put off, we favor the long continuance of Rome. But moreover, as we swear not by the genii of the Caesars, so do we swear by their health, which is of greater dignity than all genii. Ye know not that the genii are called demons, and hence by a diminutive title, demonia, 
We in the emperors reverence the judgment of God, who hath set them over the nations. We know that in them is that which God hath willed, and therefore we would have that safe which God hath willed, and this we hold to be a great oath. But as to the demons, that is, the Janai, we are wont to adjure them that we may cast them out of men, not to swear by them, so as to confer on them the honor pertaining to God. But why should I say more of the religion and the reverential affection of the Christians towards the emperor, whom we needs must look up to as the man whom our Lord hath chosen? I might even say, with good cause, Caesar is rather ours, being appointed by our God. Wherefore, in this also, I do him more service towards his welfare, not only because I ask it from him, who is able to grant it, nor because I that ask it, am such an one as to deserve to obtain it, but also because, by keeping down the majesty of Caesar beneath God, I commend him the more unto God to whom alone I subject him, but I subject him to one to whom I make him not equal. For I will not call the emperor a god, both because I cannot speak falsely, and because I dare not mock him, and because he himself will not desire to be called a god. If he be a man, it concerneth a man to yield to a god. He hath enough in being called an emperor, this also is a great name which is given him of God. He who calleth him a God denieth that he is an emperor. Unless he be a man, he is not an emperor. Even when triumphing in that most lofty chariot, he is warned that he is a man, for he is prompted from behind, quote, Look behind thee, remember that thou art a man, end quote. And, in truth, his joy is on this very account the greater, for that he glittereth with so much glory, as to need reminding of his proper nature. He were not so great if he were then called a god, because he would not be truly called so. He is greater in that he is reminded not to think himself a god. Augustus, the founder of the empire, would not even have himself called lord, for this also is a name of god. I will by all means call the emperor lord, but only when I am not compelled to call him lord in the stead of god. Nevertheless, to him I am a free man, for there is one that is my Lord, the Almighty and Eternal God, the same who is his Lord also. He that is the father of his country, how is he its Lord? But a title of natural affection is more pleasing also than one of power. Even of a family, men are rather called the fathers than the lords. So far is it from being due to the emperor to be called a god, which cannot be believed, with a flattery not only most disgraceful, but dangerous also, as though when thou hast one emperor, thou wert to call another so. Wilt thou not incur the highest and most implacable displeasure of him whom thou hadst for thine emperor, a displeasure to be feared even by him to whom thou gavest the title? Be religious towards God, thou that wouldest have him propitious to the emperor. Cease to believe any other to be God, and so likewise to call him God, who hath need of God. If flattery of such sort blusheth not for its falsehood in calling a man a god, let it at least fear for its evil omen. It is ill-augured to call Caesar a god before he be deified. It is on this account, then, that the Christians are public enemies, because they offer to the emperors neither vain, nor lying, nor unconsidered honors, because, being men of true religion, they celebrate even their solemn days with honest hearts rather than wanton acts. 
a mighty service truly to drag out into public view fireplaces and couches to feast from street to street to bury the whole city under the disguise of a tavern to make mud with wine to run about in companies to violent and shameless deeds to the enticements of lust is it thus that public joy is expressed by public disgrace do these things become the holy days of princes which become not other days shall they who observe the right rules of life out of respect for caesar abandon them for caesar's sake and shall piety be a license for immorality shall religion be deemed an occasion for wantonness and how justly do we deserve condemnation for why do we discharge our vows and our rejoicings for the caesars in chastity and sobriety and righteousness why do we not on the festal day overshadow our doorposts with laurels and encroach on the day with our candlelight it is a righteous act when a public solemnity requireth it to dress up your house in the guise of some new brothel i would however touching this reverencing a secondary majesty also concerning which we christians are called to answer a second charge of sacrilege for not celebrating with you the holy days of the caesars in a manner in which neither modesty nor shame nor decency permit but the opportunity of pleasure rather than any fitting reason hath advised i would give proof of your own faithfulness and truth in case they should in this instance also perchance be found worse than the christians who would not that we should be accounted romans but enemies of the kings of rome i call on the romans themselves on the native populace of the seven hills themselves to answer whether that roman tongue of theirs spareth one of their own caesars the tiber is my witness and the theatre of the beasts now if nature had covered the breasts of men with some transparent material so that they might shine through whose heart would not be found graven with the picture of another and another new caesar presiding over the division of the royal donative even in that hour in which they cry quote, jove multiply thy years by lessening ours end quote. these words a christian is as incapable of pronouncing as of wishing for a new emperor but these be mobs sayest thou mobs let them be they are romans notwithstanding and none are more noisy clamorers for the punishment of the christians than the mob the other classes no doubt are in proportion to their authority sincere in their pious reverence no hostile spirit is breathed from the senate itself from the knighthood from the camp from the very palace whence pray thee came your cassi and your nigers and your albini whence come they who beset a caesar between two laurels whence they who exercise their art of wrestling and strangling him whence they who break into the palace in arms with more boldness than all the singeri and partheni from the romans if i mistake not that is from men not christians and so all these even with their wickedness was on point of bursting forth were both offering their sacrifices for the health of the emperor and swearing by his genius one kind of men without another within and doubtless were giving to the christians the name of public enemies but even they who are every day detected as accomplices or betters of wicked parties the gleaning that still remaineth after the gathering in of the vintage of parasites how do they face their doors with the freshest and most luxuriant laurels how do they overcast their porches with vapour of candles the tallest and the brightest how did they portion out the forum among them filling it with the richest and most superb couches not that they might solemnize the public rejoicings but that they might even now utter their own private vows in another solemnity 
and, by changing mentally the name of the prince, might enthrone a proxy and a representative of him for whom they hoped. The same services do they also pay who consult astrologers and soothsayers and augurs and magicians touching the life of Caesar, which arts, as being put forth by rebel angels and forbidden by God, the Christians do not employ, even in their own behalf. But who hath need of such curious inquiry about the life of Caesar, unless it be one who is plotting or desiring something against it, or is hoping and waiting for something after it? For men consult not with the same feelings about their friends and their masters. The anxiety of the kinsman is busy on other grounds than that of the slave. End of Apology of Tertullian, Section 7